how are you now? <laughs> Happy New Year. How's your New Year treating you so far? I'm assuming most people by the time they listen to this um, are probably already in 2024. So uh, hello and welcome to 2024 and hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and um, we're here to talk about the second leg of the Florida trip. So the Habs played last night against the Florida Panthers and again tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Quick note. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning also played last night, and they got slapped a little bit, 5-1, by the New York Rangers. So, I mean, they played at home, and the Habs also played in Florida, not very far away from where Tampa plays. So I don't think any team really had any kind of advantage again. I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows my stance on that. You're a professional athlete. You should fucking be able to play two games in two nights. shouldn't be that much of a problem, especially when you're playing at home. I don't think anybody really had an advantage if there is one to speak of at all. So... Uh, kind of interested to see how this would go because Tampa, uh, you know, they're definitely backsliding a little bit from uh, the, the version of themselves that they were when they won the cup. Um, but there's still a lot of talent on that team. So not one that the Habs can afford to take lightly. So we're going to get to the recap, everything that happened therein. But first, the only people that don't get time off this time of year are pro athletes and us at Bet Online. With NFL, bowl season, and NBA in full swing over the holidays, Bet Online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and info. BetOnline has all the sports wagering info available that you're going to need with both desktop and mobile access, so head there today to get in on the action, and remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts, <clears throat> and you will be surprised if you haven't already watched that game, if you're if this is the first that you're hearing about the Habs against the Lightning, uh, to know that the Habs started this game a heck of a lot better than anybody would have really expected them to. Um, both teams looked a little bit sloppy at, in the initial, you know, early goings of the game, but after a bit, the Habs, you know, they settle in and they, they're starting to get set up in the offensive zone, going to work in a way that I didn't necessarily think they were going to be able to do against a team like Tampa. Um, they are the far better team at five on five and by a sight too. Uh, but they're still not really running up the shot clock. That's the one thing that, you know, has been an issue for them is even when they're playing really well, they struggle to actually get pucks on net. But in this one, you know, they were doing pretty well. And uh, it was encouraging to see how much offensive zone time they were getting. Uh, Mike Matheson took a puck over the glass penalty with like four minutes to play. They managed to kill that off. They go right back to five on five and looking like the better team. So no score in that first period. But the Habs, clearly the better team at five on five. Keep that going in the second period. Lightning only had four shots in the first to the Habs nine. So, you know, they're starting to run up the shot clock a little bit at the very least. And I think two of the Lightning shots were, were on that power play that they had on the Mike Matheson penalty. So um, one of the things I thought was like, hey, let's let's try to stay out of the box here a little bit, guys. And we get a soft hooking call against Nick Suzuki early on in the second period. Uh, playing with fire a little bit there, but they managed to kill that one as well. And then they're right back again to five on five, looking like the far better team. And then... Finally, some of that forechecking pays off for them. So the top line of Uri Slavkovsky, Nick Suzuki, and Cole Caulfield were forechecking extremely well in that game. And finally, they got rewarded for it. Uh, Suzuki and Caulfield both giving chase. Uh, Caulfield manages to steal the puck from Steven Stamkos in front of his net. Controls it, puts it short side, one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. All of a sudden, Cole Caulfield is red hot in Florida. We need to get down to Florida a little bit more often to get his goal scoring going. Um, a little bit later, so... Josh Anderson lands a big hit on Eric Chernak, right? 
There was less head contact on that hit than Uri Slavkovsky took the other night, and there was no call on that hit against Slavkovsky. And uh, Josh Anderson, for some reason, gets two for charging. Now, luckily, um, Luke Lendenning also went over there and fought uh, Josh Anderson, so that means that he got the instigator for it. So it didn't end up giving them a power play. We got to stay at five on five, where the Habs are at their absolute best. But I thought that was kind of bullshit because you know at this point in the game, you know we're we're midway through the second period. The Habs have not had a power play yet. And that felt like them doing whatever they could to just make sure that the Habs didn't get a power play out of that play because I didn't really see anything wrong with that hit. There wasn't any head contact. It was very violent, but they called it charging, which it wasn't. He glided into that hit and um, didn't come off his feet until after he made contact. So uh, it's not like he jumped into it. He didn't uh, charge into it. It was, it was not charging. So they kind of just invented a penalty there to avoid giving the Habs a power play. And uh, that irked me just a tad. But anyways... Around eight minutes to go in the period, we get a weird one, right? Samuel Montembeau makes a save on a point shot. The entire Tampa Bay team thinks that the whistle went. And even the building, uh, the, the the crew running the music in the building, they thought it was a whistle because they started playing music. But the ref shook his head no, didn't blow the whistle, told Samuel Montembeau to play it. What does he do? He puts the puck down for Johnny Kovacevic. And then Montembeau starts pointing at the net because <laughs> the Tampa goaltender, Jonas Johansson, he went for a skate into the corner because he thought it was a whistle. He thought he was going to be able to go stretch his legs a little bit. And Johnny Kovacevic fires it about 180 feet down the ice into the yawning cage. And it's 2 nothing for the Habs. Now, this pissed off the Tampa Bay Lightning because they thought that there was a whistle. Uh, the refs reviewed it. There wasn't a whistle. you got to play until you actually hear that whistle. It's something that your coaches teach you at a very young age in hockey. And uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning did not do that, and they, they paid the price for it. So the problem there is that it very much <clears throat> pissed them off and woke them up. Uh, Tampa started playing a lot better after that point, and, uh, you know, they started getting rewarded for waking themselves up a little bit. Um, shortly after the goal, uh, Nick Paul, he feeds Braden Point coming into the half zone. He's in alone, and he beats Samuel Maldonado and makes it 2-1. And then a few minutes later, Austin Watson, he's just skating along the half wall. He's trying to find Tanner Janot out in front of the net, and he just floats one towards the net, and it takes a weird hop. Fool Samuel Montembeau goes off his leg and ends up in the back of the net. We're all tied up at two in a game that, by the way, the Habs are absolutely dominating at five on five. They don't deserve to be tied going into the third period, but they are. Shots are 22 to 11. They're dominating this game. They have to just keep doing precisely what they did to make that the case. And the problem is they just fucking absolutely don't do that. It's like the, it's like they're playing with a lead still, and now the game's tied. Um, man, the, the Lightning are starting to get the better chances. They're getting more rubber on the net, and uh, they're playing with a lot more offensive zone time. The Habs are just not doing any of the things that made them successful in the first two periods. And then after a TV timeout, the Habs start getting their mojo back a little bit. Right, They're getting some offensive zone time. They're creating some pressure. And after a long sequence in the offensive zone, guess what? Goes the other way. Calvin DeHaan gets a chance in the right circle. He puts it in. It's 3-2 to two for the Lightning. Nikita Kucherov gets another goal with like five minutes left on the clock. And at this point, I'm like, fuck this game. Because the Habs got one power play in this game. One power play. And it happened to in the third period. Uh, it was an interference call against, uh, I forget who, but it was also shortened because they had taken a penalty before that where they called uh, David Savard for a bullshit trip where I'm pretty sure Nikita Kucherov dove. So uh, hilarious that the Tampa fans in the building were chanting, ref, you suck, like all night long. And meanwhile, the Habs got one power play despite dominating possession. So 
Don't know about that. Uh, but anyways, after the Kucherov goal, it's 4-2. to two. Uh, Habs do try to mount a late comeback. Uh, they pull Semyon Moltembo out of the net, and uh, a shot hits Yuri Slavkovsky, bounces over to the side of the net. Nick Suzuki somehow, he's standing there and somehow manages to time that shot, claps it up under the bar, top ched, 4-3 to three is your score, and they would re-pull Samuel Montembeau, but they couldn't get anything going. 4-3 to three is your final score in favor of the Lightning. So, I mean, you could have a conversation about officiating in that game, sure. You, you definitely could. Um, I, and I'll be honest, it, it, it kind of went both ways a little bit, and now that I sit down and think about it, that play where they didn't blow the whistle, um, I mean, T- Tampa stopped playing for a reason. And I don't think... Like, I don't know how I feel about that one. On one hand, I think it makes sense sometimes for the refs to say, no, I'm not giving you a whistle, play the puck, because there's no pressure. Um, but on the other hand, that that's kind of a play where normally I think the whistle would have gone. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. But I, I will say this. T- Tampa, it's your own fault that you got fucking scored on there because you didn't play until you actually heard the whistle. So they technically made the right call. My only question and I think this is different philosophies are going to give different answers on this. My, my only question, and I'm not even sure about it, is should they have actually blown the whistle? Uh, but they didn't, and so the the call was technically right. But then on the Habs side, you know, they're, they're dominating through the first two periods. How in none of the first 60 minutes, or 40 minutes rather, how in none of the first 40 minutes do they not have any power plays? There were plenty of opportunities for them to make some calls against Tampa. And I'm not talking about anything big, right? We're talking about clutch and grab. We're talking about, talking about some trips, some some hooks, some holds. Uh, things that they had no problem calling against the Habs. Like, they called a pretty ticky-tack hook against Nick Suzuki. They called an absolutely ticky-tack trip against David Savard in the third. Where were those calls for the Habs? Where was the consistency in that game? I, it could have been a very different game if they actually adhered to that standard that they set with the Nick Suzuki penalty. And uh, the Habs would have had some opportunities in that second period where they were absolutely running over the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I uh, thought that was kind of bullshit. And uh, look, not a whole lot you can do about it after the fact. Uh, I think really the, the story of this game, uh, what we should take away from this game as Habs fans, is just how well they played at 5-on-5, five five, how much they controlled the game at five on five against a team that on paper is certainly still better than the Habs. They're not what they were, but they're still on paper better than the Habs. So that was uh, a good performance, a quality game. If you can put aside the fact that they deserved two points for sure um, and didn't get them, then you could look at that as a very good game for the Habs. You got to keep in mind the Lightning are neck and neck with the Leafs right now in the division. So, uh, I mean, say what you will about the Leafs as well. They've had their struggles recently too, but they're not a bad team. They're, they're a team that is probably going to be pushing for a playoff spot um, when that time of year comes around. And, you know, it's it's impressive that the Habs were able to do what they did. And again, no no brownie points for you for the fact that you played last night, especially not when the other team that you're facing played last night. And to make things even better, the Habs, uh, they played with uh, 11 forwards in this game. So they had to rotate their lines and they had to throw Johnny Kovacevic in there and play with 7-D. Uh, now, I had suggested that last game because I was saying, let's bench uh, Yoel Armia and go with uh, you know 7-D. But this was unexpected. Nobody really knew that Christian Dvorak was hurt until, what, midday today. They announced that he had an upper body injury and uh, they were going to go with the 7-D. And it makes the performance of the Habs that much more impressive for me that... 
you know, they're playing with a shortened bench up front, and they still managed to dominate the Lightning at 5-on-5. So uh, credit where credit is due, right? Again, they deserve two points in that game. They didn't get it, but it it was a strong game. So that brings me to your silver lining of the night, and I think this is a pretty easy one. I'm going with the entire top line of Uri Slavkovsky, Cole Caulfield, and Nick Suzuki. They were excellent. Uh, We're talking 62% uh, possession-wise in that game. Fantastic at 5-on-5. We're talking over 50% expected goals for. We're talking they scored twice. Obviously, they got the Caulfield goal, and then they got the Suzuki goal late in the game. Um, One of the things, one of the issues with that line lately has been a lack of production, and it's been starting to come on a little bit in the last, I don't know, two weeks or so. Um, I've said this many times. I think a flood is coming from them, and I think this was a perfect game for you to use the film of that and sit down with them like i'm talking to the coaching staff now and show them everything that you did in this game we need you to replicate that like on an ongoing basis night in night out this is what we need you to do their forechecking was a breath of fresh air uh it's been a lot better in general since your Slavkovsky joined that line but in this game they were suffocating tampa looked completely out of sorts every time that line was on the ice there wasn't a whole lot that they could do except for flip it out of the zone and hope that they weren't going to turn it around and bring it straight back in there. I mean, even Cole Caulfield, like usually since Slavkovsky, Slavkovsky rejoined that line, he's been kind of the guy driving the forecheck and really using his size uh, to kind of create havoc against the other teams. Uh, but even Cole Caulfield in this game, man, he was he was getting after it, and it was good to see. And I think that. Um, obviously it precipitated the goal that he ended up scoring and it's going to precipitate a lot of goals for them if they can continue to play precisely like that. So again, you know, save the film from that game and then show it to them regularly. This is what we need from you. Night in, night out. Uh, Great game from that top line and a well-deserved silver lining of the night from them. And we still got more performances to go over as well. David Savard was fantastic in that game. At one point he had a two-on-one that he had to go and defend. I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was Braden Point and Brandon Hagel. I, can't, I Again, cannot remember. But he timed his dive so perfectly on that two-on-one. He took away the pass 100%, and he also, at the same time, with the way that he dove, with his feet going towards the outside of the net instead of his head uh, and his stick, he was making it so that there was less risk of deflections. It's not like he's going to deflect it past his old goaltender. And also, at the same time, taking away a little bit of the net for uh, the shooter to shoot at. So it was magnificent. Um, he got called for a bullshit penalty in the third period. I really didn't like that. I don't think he deserved to be there at all. Uh, he was letting the ref have it a little bit. Again, I think that was a dive by Kucherov. So um, I, I give no fault to David Savard on that one. Uh, and I just thought he played a, a really beautiful game of hockey there. And... Um, you know, I've been hard on him at times because uh, he's he's a player that uh, that does have a tendency to um, get on my bad side, we'll say. But there was nothing for me to pick apart in this game. He was absolutely fantastic, and uh, you know, I, I hope he continues to play like that. It was great. Um, also, have to give some credit where credit is due to Justin Barron. Um, a lot of people on Twitter and in the comments on Habs Eyes and the Prize were not happy about my suggestion to send him to uh, Laval a couple of games back. And, uh, you know, I might be willing to back off of that just a little bit. Um, he He's had two really good games in a row now against the two teams in Florida that seem to frustrate the Habs really badly. So, um, honestly, yeah, I, I might be willing to, to walk that back a little bit. I still think that time in Laval would be good for him. But... I think with the way he's performed in the last two games, he at the very least has kind of made me eat my words a little bit on that front. 
So um, good for him. Uh, I hope he continues to do that and doesn't give me a reason to write that article again because I got a lot of uh, angry DMs and angry tweets and angry comments about that one. So uh, we'll try to avoid that, uh, and hopefully he can help me avoid that by continuing to play like he did against the Lightning. Um, outside of those guys, uh, who else? Um, again, top top line was really the, the number one thing. Ooh, Jordan Harris um, had a really good game as well. I thought he played excellent, particularly in the defensive zone. Um, but he was also making some really smart uh, breakout passes. So one of the things that has plagued the Habs, and I think everybody's seen it, is sometimes they just struggle really bad to get the puck out of their zone. And a lot of it has to do with the forwards flying the zone a little bit. So again, credit where credit is due. The forwards weren't flying the zone as much in this game, and that helped. But the other thing was Jordan Harris, who was out there for, I think, 15 minutes uh, in that game. And he was making some really, really good uh, first passes in his own zone. And it was making life a lot easier for them. So Tampa was trying to establish a heavy forecheck to hem the Habs in their own zone. But they just couldn't because... Uh, a lot of the time, Jordan Harris was out there, and then he, as soon as he got the puck in his stick, he was making quick decisions, smart decisions, uh, making it really hard for the Lightning to be able to actually trap them in their own zone. So, um, really good game, Jordan Harris. Um, I say um too often, I think, uh, in this particular podcast, probably because I'm running out of things to say. That game, it, it did piss me off to see them not get the two points that they deserved. Uh, I had to actually sit in my chair for a good five minutes after the game before I started recording. Normally, I pull out my mic and I start recording right away. Uh, But I had to actually sit down for a little bit and collect my thoughts because I wanted to just rage out about that, about them not getting the two points. But then I remembered, you know, this is a development year and you got to take the positives where you can. And I think there was a lot more positive than there was negative in that game. Um, you, you, You can't love the way that they went into the third period and kind of stopped playing a little bit. It's almost like the second goal of the Lightning in the second period took the wind out of their sails completely. I would have liked to see them try to reestablish exactly what made them successful in the first and the second period, but outside of that, there's there's really nothing to complain about. If you look at that, if you played that game, and I know I say this you know, at least once every couple of episodes, you play that game a hundred times, how many times do you think the Habs win if they play exactly like that? I'm, I'm guessing at least 90. So, you know, it's uh, one that you probably would normally walk out of there with two points on, but this is not a season where you necessarily care about walking out with two points. So take the positives, figure out, you know, whatever it was that, that made you have that lackluster third period, and, uh, you know, on to the next one. So really, not an actual bad game from the Habs, and uh, I kind of hope that they can have a performance even close to like that in their next game, which is going to be on Tuesday night against the Dallas Stars. The Stars are a pretty formidable team this year, so that one might get a little bit ugly. Uh, but, you know, if they bring that level of effort they did against Tampa, they, they've got a shot at at least making it a game and giving us something to cheer about. So um, we're going to cut it off there. I think we've talked enough about that bullshit game. Uh, we're running a little over 19 minutes. So, hey, Sunjos, soirée pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. À la prochaine. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.